What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, artists, hustlers, you name it, people in and around the world that are redefining themselves, they're redefining their path, they're they're on their journey, they're purpose-driven, they're anti-status quo, they're doing something different, the world doesn't get them, we do, our audience does, our community does, and our guests definitely do. Because each week they come on and talk about the exact same thing that they're going through in their own journeys as they build on their brands, their their art, um, their background, uh, you know, their impact in this world. And you guys see that, you know, um, we're all connected. We're all we're all going through something or, and different and we're all learning a lot about ourselves in the process. And so I'm grateful that our guests talk about what they're learning. And uh, this week is no different. And we're going to talk about some really, really real shit. (laughs) Basically why being real is important and why shame and doubt is a necessary touchstone. And um, as great as everybody is doing it, winning their best life, we all go through something. And in order to really, really actually get there, there's a lot of inside work that has to be done. And uh, no better person than Biet Simkin, who I've got on the podcast today. She's a spiritual teacher, author, musician. She's a badass, actually. I've been reading her book, Don't Just Sit There, uh, when it was uh, recommended to me um, through a mutual friend. And um, I'll read you guys her background, but um, get the book. You've got to, I mean, just, just from the moment you open the first page, you're like, this woman's on some next level stuff. And I like that when, when somebody can go all in right from the very first page, there's no like lead up. There's just a straight, let's just have a conversation about, you know, how things are. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, she's a, a completely, like, as I mentioned, a completely unique uh, spiritual teacher with this, definitely with this rare rock and roll sensibility, um, who was raised by an awkward shaman who cured himself um, from near death in the woods of Russia. So I, I think that's incredible. Um, she's got 30 years of study and practice under her belt. With that said, I think, uh, what makes her story even more special is the amount of adversity she has overcome and she has overcome everything depending on what she wants to share with us of course uh, a little bit of that is that um losing most of her family to death at a young as a young child growing up in new york city tragedy turned into music and then she got signed to sony records at 18 after that she had a near-death experience lost her four-month-old daughter uh is it lila right lila Ula. lila sorry lila to sids oh Ula. like Ula, oh, Ula, like Ula, Ula, oh, Ula, 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 yeah. Ula, sorry, I'm so sorry, Ula uh, to Sid's, and uh, her house burned down, lived in a burned down house doing heroin for four months, her best friends hung himself, and then her awakened teacher father died. So after five years of heroin and cocaine addiction, I got so, uh, sober nearly 11 years ago and founded a uh, meditation experience that she guides globally and scores with her own music. Uh, her work is just as warm and intimate with a group of 12 people as it is with thousands of people on a stage. And uh, she's been called the David Bowie of meditation. I thought that was fantastic when I read that um, by television host, <laughs> uh, television host and activist Stacey London, as a lot of you guys are familiar with. Um, she's been written up in Forbes, L, Harper's Bazaar, Time, and the New York Times, just to name a few. She's partnered with Lululemon, Adidas, and Sony, just to name another few. 
Um, and she's released her first book uh, with Simon Schuster. I mentioned that uh, it's based on the 44 laws that prevent someone from enlightenment and is speaking all over the globe to spread the message of awakening and doing it in a down to earth way. And I cannot I cannot stress enough the importance of when you're doing a down to earth way, it's easier for people to absorb and consume and then implement. So, yeah, thank you so much for being here. I really mm. appreciate having you on. Oh, thank you so much. It's so good to be together. Oh, man. Thanks I, for such a kind introduction. No, I mean, it's, it's an amazing. Your background is amazing. And just reading your book, uh, talk about overcoming adversity as well, too. Um, but you use it all in such a uh, positive aspect of, of your growth. Um, you know, I always start off the first question, which is, you know, how did we... You can go as far back as you want or, 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 or as little as you want. How do we get to here today? And then, we'll, we'll, then from there, we'll talk a little bit about shame and doubt and, and being real. Because I think uh, this is an area that people mask more often than not, um, even when they're like, no, I'm doing great. Like, I'm really working on it. I I'm, I'm, I'm think I'm being my most authentic selves. And I'm like, believe me, there's layers of that shit. <laughs> so I'd love, I'd love to get your, your, your take on that as well. But, you know, uh, for the audience, uh, you feel free to go as far back as you'd like. Yeah, um, as far back as I like. Well, the dinosaurs got me going. Excellent. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I had a crazy life, as you, you, you kind of told the story, but I feel like, you know, I came here with a certain level of um, gift in the area of understanding the underbelly of reality. Reality is very... Um, it's very elusive. It, it it feels very much like a matrix, like I'm in East Hampton right now. And for anyone who's ever been to East Hampton, you know, like, every few minutes, like, someone walks by with, like, a really fancy bag and a lot of plastic surgery. And I just feel like I'm in, if, for anyone who hasn't seen the film The Matrix, but I feel like I'm in the film The Matrix, you know? Like, these mm. people aren't real, you know? They're just, like, right. kind of passing by in the video game of life. And as a little girl... I always kind of saw the world as like this schism, like it just didn't seem real to me. And um, not just because I had a really hard life, like it wasn't a defense mechanism. It was really just me looking out at the world and being like, I don't think this is what's really happening. Whatever we're seeing in the three-dimensional space isn't the whole picture. That felt like there was more. And in addition to feeling like there was more, I felt like I was uniquely equipped to be you know, um, an explorer of those worlds. And so I began to explore them at a very early age. And, um, and, ex and you know, in exploring them, I found that um, I was right about a lot of the things that I, I felt were true. Some of the ways that I explored it, too, was by doing, like, really hardcore, you know, hallucinogens and, you know, toad venom and LSD and mushrooms and all these things. And I was never, like, a the kind of person who overdid those things. I just did them with a, with a lot of intention and a lot of, like, a, a sacred space and gratitude. But what I found when I did that shit was, like, this isn't what's really going on. Like, whatever right. you see in front of you, like, is not the whole picture. True. So, um, but unfortunately, I, it took a much longer time for me to get with that actually what you're seeing here is also very much real. So, like, while I got the whole spiritual thing and I got the whole cosmic thing and I got the whole outer space thing, 
I didn't quite get the earth thing. You know, I couldn't get with like that I'm going to die. I couldn't get with shame and doubt like we're going to talk about soon. I couldn't get with the pain. I couldn't get with all these things. And so I feel like um, that was really hard, um, was just getting that second half. And once I got that second half, it was like something exploded inside of me and I became this, what I believe is like a whole person, someone who has a cosmic side and an unknowable side and a, a faith that's unshakable and something that's invisible, but also someone who cares about earthly things and is actually kicking ass on the earthly plane. So someone who not only likes money, but makes a bunch of it, not someone who just likes, um, you know, business and connection with the world, but actually someone who's good at it. You know, not someone who just, like, likes relationships, but someone who's in one for an extended period of time. Just being able to, like, really master reality as well. And so that's kind of what my book is all about, right? It's all about, okay, great, I'm glad that you found spirituality and you've been told that meditation is great. But how about the fact that your whole life is also not in complete harmony and balance? Right. And because a lot of the spiritual talk will tell you, like, oh, but nothing matters, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you just sit on the cushion... And it let go of your desires, like you will blah, 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 right? And I was like, no matter how long I sat on a cushion, like nothing was going to shock my desires away, you know? Like I still had desires. And so I wanted to find a spiritual path and give people a spiritual path that allowed for both of those things. And fortunately for me, my father was a fourth-way master, and fourth-way is the, the principles by, under which my book is written, Fourth way is just awakening and enlightenment for the everyman. It's, uh, it's a kind of spiritual path that does not require you to give up your life on planet Earth or like playing tennis or, you know, having sex or whatever it is you're up to. And so that's what I do. And I, and, and I just, I guess that and also being signed to Sony, you know, being an artist myself, I'm kind of a weird thing. Like I was just talking to one of my best friends today on the phone and we were talking about the future because he's like creating something and we're going to be collaborating and, he was like, there's just nothing out there that's like you. Like, it's just not been done. And so it's hard to put you in a category because you're not something that's happened before. You know, most people are either David Bowie or they're Deepak Chopra. They're not like David Bowie and Deepak Chopra. You're speaking to my entire soul right now. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate you. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I was raised with a very spiritual, holistic mother. So you're, you're talking about 30 plus years. I'm 40. So I was raised constantly around that style of thinking um, and um, that we have to go inside to solve everything that we can't. And we can't just, I'll ohm it out. Let me just ohm and sit on a cushion and, and like, no, what's the issue? We're going to, mm. we're going to, we're going to figure it like we're going in, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until about eight years ago where I really started looking at the man in the mirror. Um, so I, I, you're, you're mm. right there. There's a lot more to it. Um, I was a very different child. I agree with you. Um, I was taught to ask questions everywhere, question everything in, in a healthy way. And, and that everything you see is not what's really going on. It's really all kind of whatever people have made it out to be from their own um, essence, their own being and fears and, and everything that you see pretty much around you is made up from, you know, uh, limits or, or limitless mentality. Um, but where you really hit me too, especially is that I love business, but I love spirituality and I love uh, the intersection of those two. And I didn't find a lot of podcasts or a lot of people having that conversation because if I am a better person, 
and I understand the astral level of what's really going on and how that impacts me on this plane and how I impact people, I will inject that into my business. And in my business, how can I get to the root of helping people if I don't A, understand more about who I am and B, understand how humans are, are happening at both, uh, you know, this level and, you know, and beyond, which comes everywhere from their emotions to their soul and, and, and more, because once we can really connect with them, um, we can have even more impact with them and in a business. And we should, like, I think abundance is a beautiful thing, but not when it's just marketed, right? So uh, when, when abundance is just like, oh, let's be abundant. Oh, let's just be, you know, you can have the life you want, law of attraction. It's like, well, there's a lot more going on than just these thrown out words and whatnot. So I love everything you just said. And uh, so I just had <laughs> to throw that out there. But um, so, you know, when you interact with um, your, whether you're doing the, the small groups, the large audiences, um, what you would mention that shame and doubt are necessary to evolve, that it's something that a lot of people deal with. I'd love to get your take on what's going on there and, and, and how people can better deal with, with shame and doubt. Like what, you know, where is it rooted from? I mean, we know where it's rooted from, but I want to hear it from you. Um, and, and how are you able to kind of pull people out of that or at least help them understand how to pull themselves out of that, I should say? Yeah. I mean, I guess I think I thought for years, I thought that shame and doubt were something that, uh, well, shame I thought was like a good thing because if I have shame, that means that like I'm kind of getting a signal that I'm actually a very good person because shame is really just me feeling like I ought to be better at stuff. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, And it's my deep desire to be better that causes that kind of shame. But as I got older and I kept looking at shame and doubt, I realized that they were there as um, as a fuel. They're almost like a food source for um, for success. And I used to think that shame and doubt were like in my way because mm-hmm. like if I met celebrities and I felt shy around them or if I was ashamed because I came from zero money and I was hanging out with a wealthy crowd, I felt like that I was supposed to feel like I fit in and all these things. And as I got to know myself better and as I got to know reality better, I actually found that, um, that shame and doubt were working with me and that all I needed to do was embrace them and be with myself in those moments and go forth anyway. Like if you just don't become shame and doubt bitch, you have a great chance at, large scale, both external and internal success in this world, because there's nowhere you're going to go and there's no way that you're going to go forward without shame and doubt coming with you. And they really only enlarge as you, as you go forward in the sense that, (laughs) I don't mean that they, they enlarge, like obviously you're less susceptible to doubt 10 years into a practice than you were, but at the same time, the doubts are larger, right? Like maybe I doubted that I could make a six-figure salary at one point in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was a huge stretch for me to go from like abject poverty to making a six-figure salary. But then after that was an old story, then like the things that I'm reaching for now are kind of fucking insane in relationship to that original goal. You know what I mean? I do. I absolutely do. And it's and it's interesting how... Um 
how our stories place certain limits in certain phases. And then once those are conquered, you're like, well, how far can I really push this? You know? Yeah, there's no end to how far you can push it. But as long as you understand that doubt is coming with you and that either you eat the doubt or it eats you. And so today I just take the doubt and I take it like a vitamin and I say, thank you very much for this doubt. And I, I, um, I accept it as, you know, it, it's obviously also it, it evidence that I'm moving in the right direction. Because I wouldn't have doubt if I was living a really small life and I was cowering from my own success. Absolutely. I'd, I'd have nothing to doubt. You know what I mean? I'd be safe. I'd be broke. I'd be lonely. You know what I mean? I'd be like sitting at the wrong table in every restaurant I was in. Um, but I wouldn't be filled with doubt, you know what I mean? Because doubt and shame and fear and all that stuff are really more evidence that I'm moving in the right direction, that I'm playing the game. I, I could. And then it's kind of like, I think of myself as like a, like, I don't know, like Michael Jordan, like floating across, you know, the, what do you call it when you're playing basketball? Like the, it's not a field, but you know, <laughs> whatever that is basketball field and then you you float across like i believe that a man like michael jordan is filled with doubt and shame and fear when he leaps through the air and like puts the ball right into the fucking hoop that's his drop that's the difference between him and someone who's playing at like a level of like i'm filled with doubt so i guess i'll just not try at all you know you know it's a it's a driving force um when uh, and and i look at at doubt and uh shame um as a way to um first yes as you put as a signal cool i'm stretching my boundaries so that's why this is coming in and then i also learned to make friends with it same with my ego so i, I always try to say all right you're doubting because you're worried about what might happen i i get it you're trying to like so it's like a conversation with myself i'm like you're just trying to get my back i get it but what where we're at isn't working anymore i need we need to expand and in order to expand, I've got to do this. So can we agree self that we want the same outcome? And if we can agree that we want the same outcome, <clears throat> then we have to keep moving, get, keep getting my back. Uh, but I got to still do this. So I, I check in with myself in order to be able to, to, to keep moving. Um, because that uh, comfort is not comforting. It's not comfortable to me. I don't, I don't even think there are comfort zones. I, I, I find them highly uncomfortable. Um, stagnancy, scares me. stagnancy <laughs> scares the shit out of me o- only because like I, it's repetition and, uh, of, of something over and over again without any new result or, or expansion that, that then, you know, what are we doing here? Right. Um, so, right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I love, and then I, I like when you, you know, I like that the analogy you said, like if you, you know, in a case where maybe you're sitting down with somebody very, very wealthy and you don't have maybe that same amount of money that's a trigger that I think everybody can relate to where they go like, Oh, like who am I in this world? How much more should I be doing? Oh, what, you know, you, you can put on so many, um, issues onto yourself if you're not careful with that way of thinking versus just being so unbelievably comfortable and grateful. Like, Oh, I'm great. I'm, 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 I'm feel good that I'm around this, this, this individual who hopefully is a really great individual and I'm just enjoying life. And it's an interesting thing I have found too, when I've met extremely wealthy people who, they saw I was just chilling and like, not like I, they're like, I like your spiritual vibe. There's something going on about you. I, uh, let's work together. <laughs> you know, they're, Cause like they're, they're, you're just being comfortable in, in who you are. But I definitely think it takes checking in as well too. And, and relieving the, yourself of that. Um, it took me time too. 
Like, be like, you know what? I don't have oh, to. Oh, yeah. I have to. I and don't of course, and anyone who's listening who's on the other side of that spectrum, you know, knows very well that the shame and doubt is on that side of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, if you were raised as a multimillionaire and you went to private schools your whole life and you went to an Ivy League college and you've never wanted for anything and you have everything given to you, right. then you have massive insecurities around that. And, yeah. and I just feel like to know that what God or the universe has given you is your wealth is really what makes a man or a woman wealthy. Like to be to be in your wealth is to be in extreme gratitude, like some kind of radical gratitude for exactly the hand that you were dealt. And I feel like the the moment that I really started to feel like I fit in at any party, and I mean any party, was when I realized that I was extremely grateful for exactly the cards that I was dealt. So there was this kind of, you know, removal of, wanting anything from anybody i wasn't there to like get anything from anyone i was just more there to explore what ways i could be useful to to everyone at that party and it didn't matter whether i was like at a soup kitchen or at like the fanciest gala you know it didn't matter because it was really more about always looking to see how i could be useful in that moment and you know there's there's only so much we can do um, except for that we're literally walking miracles. So you never know what you could bring into somebody's life. But you definitely know what you can get. You know what I mean? Right. Like, get, getting is pretty limited, but giving is like, it's expansive. Like, it's endless what we can give to others. Such a good point. You're, you're right. You know, it's, it's, it, you're, it's interesting being, uh, thinking back and being in multiple environments that, some people, you know, where people wouldn't even peg you to be in a, in a certain environment. And I would just, I would just flow like whether it be, you know, South side of Bronx or Phoenix <laughs> at a party at a house party <laughs> or like at a, you know, totally. pro- a professor from Harvard, you know, discussion and lecture on, you know, neuropath, neuropath, you know, and, and, <laughs> you know, uh, your you know, cerebral cortex, you know, whatever it might be. It's just been interesting how, um, being genuinely interested in people and genuinely giving and grateful for every environment that, you know, at first you might mm-hmm. look like uh, you're sticking out like a sore thumb until they, you start having a conversation with them. And then people be like, it's funny how you can just connect at a very human level um, because everybody, everybody is going through something no matter what their background is. Right. Um, how I, I wanted to ask you about this um, breaking habits and recreating yourself. You've done it. I feel like you've probably done it several times. And I'm sure that that comes up often in your workshops and with clients. Um, Habits, as I've come to learn over the years, are from our previous choices and our body being on autopilot from all of those previous days up until this point. Breaking them is about understanding them and then, you know, um, operating from a new level of our gut or intuition and and instilling instilling those new habits but it's not easy for a lot of people it's so easy to fall back into old habits um and i think it's important to not only instill those new habits but also as you mentioned like today like we're all more than one thing we're all artists in my opinion because we're all multiple things so recreating ourselves is so unbelievably important in today's society so i'm curious to get your take on Mm -hmm. on breaking habits and also being able to recreate yourself Yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter, too. Like, the spiritual work that one does, if it isn't 
also connected to breaking these kinds of habits because you could be the most spiritual person in the world. If you're drinking like Jack Daniels every day, that's <laughs> not going to be the same level of spiritual work. Right. Um, unless you're doing it in some kind of very advanced way where you like have half a thimble once a night or, you know what I mean? Like that's fine. I, if you're some kind of wizard and you figured out how to like eat bread and cheese in, in regimented ways and like you figured out how to drink whiskey in like a regimented way, go for it. Like I'm so into people who master the art of um, making um, addictive you know, addictive substances, they're bitch, have at it. But I, for me, like, I had to just kind of say, I'm done with you for many things, right? So I stopped doing heroin, I stopped drinking, I stopped flirting with men who were kind of disgusting and just wanted to fuck me. I stopped um, hanging out with people who were competitive and bitchy. I, I just stopped. And in stopping, I had to really you know, and this is my advice, because you're saying, how do you break it? It's like, I had to find equal in value replacements for all these things. Yes. So I had to actually have an equal in bliss um, things going on as the counterpart. Otherwise, I would return. Like, who's going to not go back to heroin unless they have something replacing it that's as good? So I replaced... um, you know, heroin with spiritual connection with others and with prayer and meditation and with, um, you know, breath work and with spiritual readings. And also, for me, again, like, my, my spiritual pursuit is holistic, and so I also replaced it with admitting my larger ambitions in life and then pursuing them like my life depended on it. Because I think, actually, for most of us, our addictions heroin or alcohol or whatever, you know, for many listeners, you're probably not on heroin. So like you're just drinking or you're smoking a lot of pot or you're watching some porn or you're, you know, eating way too much ice cream and, and, and uh, cake and shit. Like if that's what you're doing, the only reason you're doing it is because you're fucking amazing. And you're so terrified of how amazing you are that you'll go to any length to shut that shit down. And that's what you know works. You know that those, those, medicines that I just named, you know that they will make you a small, useless piece of shit whose eulogy will sound like dog food. And I think that what is really extraordinary is someone who says, I get that I'm addicted to these things. I'm a bread. I'm addicted to bread. I'm addicted to fucking um, drinking wine and I'm addicted to watching porn. I get that. And the, I also get the reason I'm addicted to it is because I don't want to wake up 10 years from now and be this huge fucking deal. I don't want to face the level of success that the universe has awaiting me because that scares me too much. So I'm just going to fucking take this medicine that makes me feel just as amazing and just as, like, faux confident. Because I know I felt just as good snorting a line of coke as I did getting written up in the fucking New York Post two days ago. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I'm just. But like, I didn't get right up. I, back then, I used to snort coke and read page six because I was like, "Oh, who's who and what are they doing?" Today, I am who's who, and I don't fucking snort coke. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just funny because I think all of us are running like scared little children from how fucking epic we are, and it, it's just ironic that it's all hidden behind all of these things that make you 
quote, feel good. You know, well, it makes me feel good. Like, feelings aren't fucking facts, asshole. Like, wake up to the fact that you're incredible and the world is missing out on how magic you are. Not you, obviously. No. <laughs> like, I, whoever. You I, know what I mean? I lo- no, I love it. I love it. It's like you dropped the mic probably about 20 different times <laughs> on that on that run. Um, and I like I like the fact that you put the perspective of, like, it's because you don't realize how fucking amazing, amazing you are. Um, often sometimes people, they'll just play like, oh, you're, you're just fulfilling a, a pain that's going on. And, and, and yeah, maybe, maybe that's true, but no, but the real deal is that you're suppressing the badass self that you really are in that bigger picture. And if you could remove some of the shame mm-hmm. and remove some of the doubt, mm-hmm. and actually just go in intentionally, um, build upon that person over there, your life yeah. will be even more amazing than you could possibly imagine. And I, I like the fact that um, and I agree with it. It's just that the choices were changing. Okay, so like this drug no longer makes me, you know, I, I, I want to replace it with something. Uh, this person, the way that they approach me, this pattern in business, this, you know, I dealt with each of those things in different ways too. And it wasn't until I started making more intentional decisions of like, here's how I feel, here's how I play. You on the yeah. other side, do you play this way? And that, by the way, yeah. I'm not judging you if you don't, but you have to let me know if you are. Because if you are or you aren't, we'll make a decision on whether we are going to continue together on a path that is intertwined for a little while. And if not, I still love you. I just got to go do my thing. And and I, I realized it wasn't until I started making a yeah. lot more intentional choices and, and everything like in nutrition and yeah. food and like, okay, normally mm. I do this at six in the morning. All right, I had to replace that with gratitude journaling a few years ago. Then it was like, you know what? Yeah. I, I want to understand the choice I make throughout the day. Well, I'm now going to embed the meditation so that way I know why I'm making the choices I'm making. Oh, that that exciting thing that just popped up in my world? Well, it happened because I thought about it ahead of the fact. And obviously, I was already guiding myself towards there. But those are all choices and accountability and responsibility. And how many people really want to do that for themselves, you know? Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's hidden. It's really concealed, like, what we want. And and the funny thing is, is you said it when you said that, that people often think it's because they're suppressing the pain, you know, because it is. Like, if you drink wine, you will feel less pain for X amount of hours. That's true. But the problem is, is that actually that pain is the fuel which creates the music that the world hears. Or that pain is the thing that pushes you forward to become the next Steve Jobs. Or, like, that pain is the thing that propels you forward to be an incredible like real estate agent or whatever the fuck it is you're destined to be like that pain is your fuel. So if you suppress the pain, I'm not saying that it's not, I get that you want to suppress it because it, it appears to be negative. And we've all been taught that pain is something that's bad, that we should steer clear of it and, you know, and, and run for cover because it's very dangerous. And the truth is, is actually pain is like, the natural most best ingredient and what makes us most beautiful. And, you know, as successful as I am today, I believe that's the amount of success that I've reached is just the amount of pain that I'm willing to endure Mm. and also the amount of vulnerability around who I truly am as a holistic, flawed, vulnerable, broken, dying human, how much of that I'm willing to pull out. Like if I'm willing to pull my balls out, or in my case, my vagina, I guess, like out on an audience, like in a stage. How big is that stage? Like if it's 10K, is it 20K? Like is it arenas? Is it stadiums? Because it really is just about like how big of a stage am I willing to pull out my fucking underwear and have you sniff it 
that is what makes someone great. And because it's our greatness is just letting people know how fucking flawed we are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I've got a fucking vagina. Like, big fucking deal. Like, or like, me too. I'm going to die one day. Nice to meet you. You know, Can you imagine uh, if that's how we introduced ourselves at parties? Hi, my name is Yet. <laughs> I'm going to die one day. How are you doing today? <laughs> I, I think we should die. Uh, it could be today. I, like, I could die later this day. I don't even know. Like, we, I'm going to die one day, and it could happen in any minute. How are you doing? We, we could do a 30-day challenge of just literally introducing <laughs> ourselves nonstop. We, do, we, bo- we both document it. And then we report back in 30 days and do a podcast episode on it. Like, so here's what I learned in introducing myself 15 <laughs> times a day for 30 days, 450 Amazing. times. <laughs> this is what people said to me and just record the whole thing. We uh, should totally do that. Uh, I'd be down for that. I, I, you know, I really, I actually really would be down for that. But um, I, I like, uh, I like what you're saying about, um, you know, this, I, again, I think that the reason why people don't let themselves play that big, and I'll admit to it, like there's there's moments where I've let only so many layers known to the public. I, I'm I'm constantly pushing letting more of those layers be known because like without that, um, that I'm always gonna be transparent. I'm always like anybody can ask me something. I'm gonna always be honest about it. Cool, but taking it to those next levels of being like, hey, like I'm willing to talk about anything, open and even initiate that conversation in layers. The more you do that, the the greater you become and the greater the stage becomes. And the reason why I've what I have understood in my own journey as well is that sometimes, yeah, it's that how much how much tolerant you build tolerance along the way, knowing that, you know, yeah, the world's a stage and everybody's judgmental. And so it's like removing that bullshit of, you know, let them judge, let them watch. The only reason why you're at all even remotely thinking anything or judging or, or saying anything is because of your lack of awareness and your ability to do the same. So you've got to look at somebody else. And once you really start to understand that, like, it doesn't matter. None of that actually matters. And you just play from a, like, a completely open world. You're dangerously awesome at that point. Like, nothing can really be stopped. And, but I, but I have noticed that it's, it takes, you know, there, there's layers, right? There's the, uh, and, but you got to rip the bandaid off and just go all in. (laughs) So, um, true. yeah, I mean, and, and I think that that's, and it, back to your original points about shame and doubt. And I think that that's where it is, is that like loving yourself means loving all the shit that you've done. And if you can really love all that shit that you've done, good and bad, then you can be really, really open to the world about it. And it won't matter what anybody else says about it because you're like, yeah, I, I already told you I did that. So why are we still talking about right. it? Right. You ever see a politician? There was a politician years ago, right, in New York, where like he, I think he first came out on on, uh, on the news and he said, I want you to know that uh, he, like he said him and his partner, they had had affairs on each other that they were like he basically opened up about wow. everything. And then he said and then he basically wow. said. So now let's talk politics. And it was like, you have nothing to come after me at. Like, I'm done. Like, I don't, I, right. we're not going to talk about all this stuff. You're going to dig up a whole bunch of stuff. Let me just talk about it right now. And we can move right past mm. that. And I thought that was just brilliant when you, when you rip open your band-aids yeah. in front of everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so in your, in your practices with, well, first of all, how, how old are you when you first started with like meditation? I want to ask you about that. Oh, when I first, I was like in a, in diapers. That's right. My father was an awakened teacher, so I studied with him when I was a BB. You 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 mentioned that in the book, um, and um, and then how how have you been able to make it more? Because um, uh, I love your communication style, 
uh, and I feel like we're living in a really cool time where people are taking some of the former scientific uh, ways of being and now making it more uh, absor- absorbable and consumable by the general public. How have you been able to really help people understand, um, you know, meditation in its in its, you know, kind of newer newer ways that we're tapping into and, and using it, and then also making it into like a daily practice? Well, I mean, I think that it's not even just. I think there's a lot of ways that I help people in a different way, and that my work is way more emotionally based. Yes, and. And the truth is, is that a lot of meditation practices, as I've been taught them, and I've again, I've studied all the different variations. A lot of them don't really have a lot of emotion in them. They're they're yes. meant to be neutral, and it's meant to bring you to a state of equanimity. And all of the great, all of the great meditation paths promise equanimity and and ask for equanimity. And I actually have found that equanimity is not something you can shoot at directly. Um, I have found that it it is more easily found through the heart center. And mm. so I help people to go into the heart center. Perfect. That that was the perfect segue I was looking for. So like, t- I want to hear more about that. Like, um, because that that's the source. Um, and I've been uh, constantly um, told about, um, you know, you hear often, well, you have to open up your heart more. And I think people don't understand how far that really goes uh, with opening up the heart. And that's at where it all where it all begins and ends. Um, because that's what also helps lead into better meditative practices, choices, habits, everything. Um, and so, um, what are some of the, the, if you feel comfortable talking about it, cause it's also your practice and, and what you do with clients, uh, but I'd love to hear more about like how, what some of your approach is with clients because dealing with the heart matters of the heart, um, is probably filled with them. Uh, a, a lot of, uh, interesting people, interesting walls, interesting things that they didn't even know about themselves. Um, or do you just attack it straight on and you're like, all right, we're going to just open this shit up right now? Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of like when I do these experiences, right, and I do them with thousands of people all over the world, it's like I do them and I score them with my own music. This music is very emotionally based. Mm. It sounds sort of similar to Coldplay. And I say things that are really authentic and from my heart, from my story. And, you know, you talked about how like my almost my whole family has died. My daughter died of sudden infant death syndrome, my first daughter, thank God, not my second daughter. And, um, you know, my house burned down, like all these tragedies. And I think that when you connect with people from that place, they feel so warm and and tender because they too have gone through a lot of sadness. And so we connect through that. We connect through the love of, of the people that we've lost, our ancestors, like in your case with your dad, like, there's something that happens when people cross to the other side where they can help us even more. Um, I can't prove that, but that's how it feels. And I feel very helped by the people that love me and are no longer here. And um, that's one way I also use a lot of breath work. And breath work um, brings you down into the heart. You know, it takes you out of your head. And I have found that when you just leave your head, which most people don't know how to do, and I actually do know how to do, and I show people how to do it, when you just leave your head, everything else is just bliss. It's like a head and bliss. That's all there is that's going on. There's your head and then there's bliss. So if you can just get out of your head, all you have is bliss. There's nothing else going on out here. Yeah, I uh, I heard, um, you know, the, the, what is it, the longest distance is between the head and the heart, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, I heard that too. And I, I heard, uh, 
I heard a really interesting um it's like the there's the intuitive self um and then there's the the body you know and you've got the heart and the mind and that um the intuitive self knows what to do the heart knows what to do and the body um is like the desire body right it's it, it's constantly trying to go in one direction the intuition is like no i want to go in another direction um and unless you get those two to connect they're kind of always going against each other right um oh and, yeah and it's like the body is the vessel that carries the intuition carries the soul soul's the gps i know where i'm going trust me just follow me the body is like i know i'm the one who's going to move everything so i just need a guidance system i don't know if i can just trust you i'm going to just trust you know inputs external inputs all this other stuff or my desires but get those two to connect get the heart and the mind to connect and you you know start playing a very dangerously awesome game and um, but it's, it's, that's why they call it also the longest distances between the heart and the head. Right. Cause it's, uh, um, yeah. getting people out of that analytical mind is, is, uh, and I, and I, I, I can put myself sometimes on that list as well too. And it's not until I like check myself and I'm like, all right, this isn't working. <laughs> I got to go to the heart every time. Um, yeah, over and over and over again. Right. You know? Um, and then, so what, um, now you, I want to talk a little bit about the book. What, uh, what inspired the book wouldn't, I mean, other than just having uh, the life that you've already led and uh, countless experiences, what made you say, I'm going to do this book? Don't just sit there. Well, I mean, I've always had a book in me or like 7,000 books in me, but I right. think this book specifically came from me studying fourth way work my whole life and then mastering it and feeling like there isn't a lot of fourth way books out there that most people can understand. In fact, there's none. And so I thought how beautiful it is to take this work that I have internalized and really um, fused a really deep and loving relationship with, and it's my lifeblood, I love fourth-way work, and bring it to the world and bring this thing that's completely incomprehensible and, like, hard to understand and no school for it, no websites for it. Like, it's just this secret work and bring it to the world in a very respectful way, you know, really keeping the work intact and also sharing from a place of experience. And, and that's what, that's why it's 44 laws because these 44 laws are derived from these ancient principles from this work called fourth way. And, um, and I just dial them down. So each chapter is a law and each chapter is a law and how that law is working to prevent you from enlightenment and from joy and from bliss and from fuck all, like having a great time. And if you can just get how these laws are fucking you over, you can basically turn it all around and live a life beyond your wildest dreams. Awesome. I was going to ask you about the fourth way, but I mean, you pretty much just kind of broke it down. But uh, what, what's the origins of fourth way? It was a guy named Gurdjieff who mm. found it. I think he traveled down to India and was invited through India and also through his work with Sufis. Um, into this secret work and then he brought it back to Russia and like started a cult and was like a totally he was a very intense guy and um, he did it in a very intense way and it was all these like secret schools and you know it was obviously dangerous to do this and where he was and then he came to the States and he came to Paris and it spread and that's uh, that's the history and the genesis of it but this is like in the early 1900s. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's interesting just even um, when we think about 
a lot of practices that are re-emerging today and some people are like oh you know it's it's modern it's new i'm like no it's actually been around for thousands of years or hundreds of years it's just that um right we all got went up and got busy and stressed <laughs> it's basically what happened over the last so many you know so many years but um yeah much of what we what we need can come from you know times past if we really like go all the way back um this is uh phenomenal where, where can everybody find out about you online about about my book about the book about you social media i want everybody listening to follow we have a very loyal following by the way so i want everybody oh, to like yeah, I to love find you. you i don't know you but i love you i love you too thank <laughs> you um I love you, no, but that's duh. I was talking to your audience. Oh, I lo- they love <laughs> I you like, too. You, I love. They they love you too. You're on the top. You're oh, at the top of the list. Thank you. The rest of you, I love. <laughs> thank you so much. They, um, yeah. the, the best way to reach me is at guided by Biet, which is and it's guided by my name is Biet B I E T, and that's my Instagram. And then my website is my name BietSimkin.com, and that has like my speaker reel. It's got some shit on resilience. It's got some links to uh, meditations and a free meditation. And, um, and then my book is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And if you live somewhere where there's a local bookstore, feel free to like pop in and buy it there because it's, it's out with Simon & Schuster. But, uh, but Amazon's a great way to do it. And it's on there. It's called Don't Just Sit There with an exclamation point. Yeah, and I want everybody listening to not only to check out the book, go to her social media, go to Biet's uh, Guided by Biet on Instagram and interact with her, you know, um, because uh, and, and I think this is where it might have cut off earlier when I was going on my, my little rant when, <laughs> when we had the phone thing. But because uh, I was talking about um, business and spirituality. Did you hear that part? The, that um, we, you know, the, the audience is very much aligned with this as well, too, and that um, I've always been a firm believer of business and spirituality um, crossing each other. Mm. And that conversation, yes. and that, I was, I was commenting because you brought up something kind of similar to that in, in early on in the conversation, and that um, I, I haven't found too many podcasts or too many people trying to have that conversation because ultimately, um, you know, you had mentioned about the impact of business and about making money and, but like having, you know, but being tied to purpose and all this other stuff. But then I went on this rant about that our, um, our best self, when we bring out our best self, um, and understand more about who we are, that is also a direct reflection of what we're bringing through in our business and, and, and understanding not only ourselves, but how we're also going to be able to connect and understand with the people that we're doing anything for. And, um, but then on the flip side on business, the more we get tied to understanding who the people we're doing stuff for, the more we're understanding about them, the more we're also understanding about ourselves. So those two are constantly crisscrossing more than we even realize, um, because our behaviors personally and our behaviors professionally do mirror each other. And for all, often people say, Oh no, they're separate things. I'm like, no, they're actually not. Your behaviors in one are going to be very similar to your behaviors in the other. How you treat people in society is probably also how you treat people in an office or in your, you know, in you within your business or whatever it might be. Um, and so I think that it's so you, true. You, you know what I mean? So there's a very there's yeah. a, there's there's a very big um, how we understand ourselves from an astral level into a, a playing field level on Earth, and then tying that into how we also deal that with our business allows us to also expand in ways that we couldn't have imagined before within our business. But we have to have a better understanding of who the hell we are. Or we're just not, or, or we're just not um, reaching the kind of uh, like you know uh, success that we probably. I don't like use the word success, but impact that we probably could, which also ties back into your whole point of, you know, kind of fuck shame and doubt, <laughs> basically because they they get in the yeah. way of your awesomeness. So, really appreciate you talking about all that. Um, yet this was a phenomenal, and I also you're welcome back on the show anytime. 
Uh, it's a very journey-driven oh, podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a uh, yeah. We're gonna do our experiment, right? Uh, Freaking people the fuck out. I'd actually, <laughs> I really like. So, is it is it that we say to people, uh, we go up to them and say, "Hi, uh, I'm Matt. Uh, just want to let you know I'm gonna die one day." <laughs> is that is that what? No, we're but s- it's like I'm gonna die one day, and it could happen at any minute. And How it, are you doing today? And it could happen because right? it's like that's the thing that people are missing. It's not that they're going to, everyone knows they're going to die. Right. But I think that they just don't, they don't get that it could happen now. Like they're like one day, like one day, how the fuck, what are you like God? You know when? Right. And I just think that that's what causes people to have a lack of perspective on how grateful they should be. Right. Or I don't think they should, anyone should be anything. I love that everyone's going around ungrateful. I think everyone should do whatever the fuck they want. But I do believe that that's why, you know, again, the book that I wrote is all about these laws. They, these laws are like gravity, like they're pushing down on us. And we wake up every morning and we have the law working against us so that we can't feel gratitude. We can understand gratitude as an idea, but we can't feel it. We can understand love as an idea, but we can't fucking conjure it. And so we walk around, you know, clanking into everyone and so lonely and, um, and disconnected. And so... I think that that's what that sentence really brings out, you know. No, it does. Experiment well, or no experiment, I think it just brings it out even just talking about it here with you right now. No, I, well, I, and I love the fact that you said, like, and it can happen right now. I mean, talk about the perspective <laughs> it gives to the persons on the other hand that's shaking your hand, right? And they're just yeah, like, Yeah, and they're like, what? Well, like, wait a minute. Fucking lunatic. I, well, I was, <laughs> I, I, was, I was actually going to say, like, they'd be like, Wait a minute! Your last moments could be spent with me. Like I better, I better actually make this good. <laughs> you exactly. Know? I better actually be show up. Moment. I better actually show up versus being, you know, uh, anything else than that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it kosher, I guess, right there. But um, I'm going to a, a gala tomorrow, so I'll start there, and then we'll, I'll keep it. We'll text. I'll text you on how the initial beginnings are, of my journey go. Perfect. I, I actually, I'll, I'll connect with you here in one second offline. I'll, I'll grab the info, and then uh, you, you do that at the at your gala tomorrow. Um, I'll do it uh, probably starting today. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, maybe, yeah, text me. Yeah, let's just text each other every time we do it. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you perfect. so much, Beth, for, for hanging uh, and hang out for one second. I'm going to connect with you just offline here in one second, but I um, really appreciate you being on today. And, um, you know, thank you so much. And uh, I know you are extremely busy. You're doing amazing things around the world. And, um, and uh, I just appreciate you. So you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for so every- grateful. It's so good to meet you. You're obviously a tremendous soul. So thank you. Thank you. It takes one. It takes one to recognize one. So I, I, I receive that and I give it right back to you. So thank you. Thank um, you. And uh, you know, for everybody listening, you know, you know, you guys know how we're very, we're just a very big community um, globally, and we're all on this journey. We're all figuring it out. Biet is a perfect testament to that. Check her out online, guided by Biet on Instagram, Biet Simkim. That's B-I-E-T-S-I-M-K-I-N dot com. Uh, she's a spiritual badass. She's an author. She's a, a musician. She's done it all. She's traveling around the world, helping everybody out. And um, just, uh, you know, an amazing human being. Um, and please reach out to her and talk to her, interact with her social. You guys know that that's how we do it. And I also appreciate all you guys constantly giving feedback on um, the episodes and, um, you know, constantly connecting. That's really what it's all about. And hopefully you guys can also see like, Hey, look, we're all building something. We're all figuring it out. And, uh, you know, may you take any of these pieces of of wisdom for yourself or add to it where we're, I'm grateful either way and, uh, appreciate you guys. And, uh, for my, for our amazing guest, be at Simkin 
for myself and Matt Gossman for House of Sold separately. We are out.